Sup, slut? Oh, hello. I thought I'd uh, try greeting you how Binya and I usually greet each other. <laughs> I, I like it. Usually we start out with what's up, slut? Or one of us says, well, if it isn't that bitch. <laughs> um, I like that. <laughs> Which is a very different vibe than than you and I's usual greeting. You know I appreciate being one of the girls. I know. I know you do. Michael. Yes. Hello. Hi, how are you? Hi. Hi. Uh, hi. Hi. I'm really good. I feel like there's things to say and no memory of those things. Uh-huh. They're just out there in the ether. They're out there in the ether. Did I tell you that there's a tent set up in our living room? Well, you didn't tell me so much as you sent me a photo that had the tent in it. Yes, I sent you a photo of some, you could say, Shabbat candlesticks that I recently acquired. Right, and there there was a tent lurking in the background. Yes, yes. So Just like for funsies? Yeah, well, you don't really have any furniture in the living room. No one cares. But mm-hmm. since you asked, <laughs> we were sleeping in the living room. Mm-hmm. This is a very open concept. I hate that. It's just a fucking cabin. There's not a lot of rooms. Right. So we were sleeping in the living room. Now the bed is in the bedroom. We don't really have a living room. Okay, so your bed used to be in the quote-unquote living room, but now it's in the quote-unquote bedroom, and the tent is in the living room. Yes. Okay. So you used to be in a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory sleeping situation, and now you're in a more normative sleeping arrangement. Yes, which reminds me of something I said to Grunge Girl, which is that the only prequel Mm -hmm. to Willy Wonka that I want to see is one that explains (laughs) how those four grandparents ended up in the bed together. Is there some sort of swapping going on? Is that how they met? Is that how their kids (laughs) met? I just need to know. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a perplexing situation. When I heard there was a Willy Wonka prequel coming out, I was like, well, finally, we're going to get some answers. Mm-hmm. No, no, they didn't go there. They didn't go there. It's frustrating to me. But yeah, we were in a Willy Wonka situation, and now we have a tent. So sometimes I work in the tent just to kind of feel... Shake sick. it up a bit. Yeah, feel kind of, you know, Yeah. to return to the primordial tent, you know. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, in which humanity developed the laptop in the tent. So, um, anyway, how are you, Hob? How are you? Bruchem. I'm well. I'm having a good day so far. I have a lot of work. I just like um have realized that I may be getting to the point where I'm accumulating too much work to do. Um, I'm starting to worry about whether that's the case. So I'll have to evaluate that on an ongoing basis. I finally pruned my fiddle leaf fig today, which is something I've been meaning to do for a long time because it's been getting too leggy and I needed to prune off the top so it would get more bushy. Is this a plant that produces real figs? No, okay. just big ass leaves. Just big, big leaves. Okay. Beautiful leaves. You know, it's very, my, my life is very, as much as I work in a non-standard way, like I have a very non-standard work situation, I also feel like my life has pretty much been organized into like work and video games with like a little bit of a wedding planning sprinkled in on the side. Um, and that cycle just repeats. But I'm happy with that cycle. I mean, I love, I love video games and I love what I do for work. I just want to make sure I don't overload myself because... I know I can get into like a real burnout cycle with work where I like go between periods of being so burned out from work that I do nothing for two weeks and then doing going right back to doing too much. Yes. Yeah. 
familiar. I really wish I could change my sleep schedule right now. My boyfriend works the early shift, so we wake up at like six in the morning, which is fine. It's not that early, but I just never feel as rested as when I wake up at like eight or nine. Doesn't matter how early I go sleep. Doesn't matter. There's nothing that seems able to influence this feeling of sleepiness. So I wish that that could be shifted. You are so beyond my skills. So (laughs) you are like next level. Well, I don't feel next level with my sleep. I feel like sleep and I are enemies. Oh, sleep and I are friends. I think think you have to just be friends. I would love to if sleep would stop being such a bitch. If sleep would just let me sleep, then I would get along with it a lot better. Here we are. It's cold. It's sunny but cold outside. Hey, it's pretty much our fourth year anniversary doing this, by the way. Oh my god. Four years. That's so much podcast. Can you believe it? It's been four years? Yeah. So you can believe it. Yeah, I mean, I can be- I can believe it, but I- I'm proud of us, you know, for doing it. Yeah, I'm proud of us too, I think. Well, you know, I say that and it's a total lie because uh, I'm proud of you. Oh, uh, I'm incapable of feeling pride. Okay, well, I'm proud of you then. All right, well, we'll cover each other's bases. Yeah, I'm thinking about like when I first moved to the farm that I lived on in Washington. A person who lived there gave me the the advice. They were like, "Hey, I like you. I I really hope you stick around. I want to give you my little piece of advice, which is that I found that if you just don't leave, then you don't leave." <laughs> Uh, which seems like nonsensical advice, but feels like it really applies to this podcast. <laughs> it's like, if you just totally. don't stop, then you won't stop. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That feels like how we've managed to go on four years. This so we've just like, we just kept doing it. We just chose, we just didn't stop. <laughs> we just didn't stop. Yeah. I think that's true. I think that might be true for pretty much anything involving any level of commitment in life. Yeah. I guess I feel like if I were going to try to boil that down into a, a phrase that makes more logical sense, it would be just like, you don't have to choose to keep going. You just have to not choose to stop. Yeah, yeah. It definitely makes it easier to keep going, to think of it that way. Yeah, yeah. Day by day. Just day by day. Anyway, thanks to all of you listeners to listening for us for four years. Think about where you were four years ago when you were in your first episode of Hi, How Are You? Is that fucked up or what? Okay, Talmud. Today, everything I'm going to bring is coming from a source sheet on Safaria called Paging Dr. Talmud, which is by friend of mine, friend of yours, friend of the show, Olivia Devora Tucker, more friend of mine, friend of the show. But when I say friend of yours, I mean friend to everyone because they're wonderful. Universal friend. Universal friend. Okay, that's a whole, we got to do a whole episode on universal friend. Yeah. Quick summary, universal friend was this really queer Quaker who changed their name to Universal Friend. It's wild. But that's not what this episode is about. So the way that I came upon this episode, continuing with our theme of continuing our theme, is after our amazing previous episode on pot shards. Yes, pot shards. Which I can't stop talking about how fucked up it is that we loved that so much. How truly depraved we've become. <laughs> no, there's no justification no. that you can give. No, there's not. You know, Michel Foucault once said, we must become infinitely more vulnerable to pleasure. And that's what I think happened with pot shards. Where d- our, our depravity has just reached such a depth that we will become titillated by anything. Well, as your mom would say, I don't know about that. <laughs> 
<laughs> that is exactly what she would say. Well, I just don't know about that. Anyway, Bonchards. Um Paging Dr. Talbot, wonderful source sheet put together by Olivia Devora Tucker. Thank you for enabling this episode. You're probably listening, and I'm very honored that you are. Just a collection of, of really wild and interesting medical and bodily tales from Talmud. But the way I found it is I was like, I want to find stuff about ceramics in oh. Talmud. And so I just went to Safaria and was like, ceramics, like what, where is, because ceramics have like their own rules of how they're governed with regards to Kashrut. And so I was like, surely I'll find some weird shit about ceramics. This is the first source I found which is what came up in the search results that that made me look at the sheet in the first place. Okay, curious. I don't want to derail you, but are you going to talk about the mushroom thing again? No, it's not the mushroom thing, but I did think of that. Yeah. Listeners, I don't even fucking know what this episode is called, but we recorded an episode about a mushroom going on the handle of a pitcher. It has to be in the first like 20 episodes we did. Yeah, it's an early one. It's a great one. It probably has mushroom or fungi in the title. Good luck finding it. Yeah, have fun. The truth is out there. So this is from Yoma 78A. We're talking about the laws of Yom Kippur. And we learn, Yehuda Bar Gerogarit taught, it is prohibited to sit on damp clay on Yom Kippur. Rabbi Yehoshua ben Levi said, this prohibition only applies when the clay is dripping wet, aka when you feel wetness by touching it. And Abaye clarified, it must be dripping wet enough to make something else wet. Rav Yehuda said, one is permitted to cool off with fruit on Yom Kippur. And this is all, all of these things are to avoid the prohibition of bathing on Yom Kippur. Because we're not supposed to take a bath on Yom Kippur. Okay, okay. So this is all bathing edge play. Similarly, when Rav Yehuda suffered from the heat on Yom Kippur, he cooled off by placing a squash next to himself. And okay, Rabba cooled okay. off by placing a baby next to him because a baby's body is cold. Uh, a baby's body is cold. Okay. I actually think of babies as running warm because like one of the reasons that babies often kick off their blankets at night is because babies don't naturally lower their sleeping body temperature in the way that adult humans do. So the idea of cooling off via baby seems counterintuitive to me. So wait. You can cool yourself with a fruit. Is that because the fruit is moist? You know, because what preceded it, we're talking about like wet clay. Or are they saying yeah. that does the fruit just have like a lot of thermal mass and you usually keep yeah. it in the shade? I don't know. I'm wondering. I'm envisioning. I was immediately envisioning like, you know how at the spa sometimes they put like cucumber slices on your eye i was envisioning like what if i cut myself an apple slice and just was like patting my head with a with apple yeah yeah <laughs> i guess i'm wondering if it's about the liquid of the fruit is not considered to be a liquid which bathes you and if it's about the liquid of the fruit then it must be about like a section of the fruit and not one whole fruit mm. I don't know. I think it's about like, you know, you're going to store your uh, your squash in the in the basement, you know? Right. Squash squash intuitively makes a lot more sense to me. Squash has very dense, good thermal mass. Yeah. Anyway, we're not even to the ceramics part yet. <laughs> One second. I think Skeeter's into something. Okay. All right. I'm back. What was going on out there? He was digging in the tent. He was. Yeah. yeah. Checks out. He was being a little shit. Um, anyway. Yeah. So pottery. 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 Okay, so Rava cooled off by placing a baby next to him. Rava cooled off with a silver cup. And Rav Papa said if the silver cup is full, 
it's prohibited. But if it is not full, it's permitted. Okay. Yeah. Because if you, there's water in the cup, you might accidentally spill it, and then you would accidentally bathe, and we don't want that. Okay. Got it. Yeah. And with regard to a ceramic cup, both full and empty are prohibited because the water seeps through the cup, causing violation of the prohibition of bathing. Hmm. Wait, wait, wait. But clay is is okay. Wet clay is okay. Well, no, you can't sit on damp clay. Okay. You can't sit on clay that is wet enough to get other things wet. Okay. And ceramic cups are also prohibited because water seeps through them. Okay. I guess like a, they sweat, basically. All right. But an empty ceramic cup is yeah. allowed. Okay. Yeah. So this is what started me on this whole journey of looking at this wonderful source sheet. The real only thing I have to say about this, other than what we've already said, is just... I always think of ceramic as like things that are glazed. I don't know. When did people start glazing their ceramics? Revy Google, when did glaze? I mean, I know they're ancient. I think we've been glazing for a while now. Oh, okay. So in, in Kostra, we differentiate between glazed and unglazed pots because unglazed earthenware can't be koshered because whatever goes onto it can seep into it in a way that you can never know whether there are particles of whatever is left still in there. Okay. So I guess the the principle of earthware permeability is universal in halacha. And then there are a few divergent opinions that treat glazed ceramic differently, but not everybody differentiates. Anyway, oh, okay. ceramics, complicated kashrut status. This is like the whole thing that got me onto this was thinking about like the all of the different kinds of pots you brought up last time and what was up with their kashrut. And who cared? Were the people with the frittata pans even worried about it? Or were they just like, we cook frittatas, we don't give a fuck. Our frittatas are full of ham anyway. That's right. Well, we learned that the frittata pans were used by the Romans and the rich. What were they called? They're not Israelites. What are they? Judeans. Judeans. Yeah, thank you. The rich Judeans who were kind of, you know, the cosmopolitan. I bet, I right. bet they, they didn't give a shit if it was glazed or not glazed. You know? Yeah. They were just partying with yeah. no attention to mitzvahs. No attention to mitzvahs. And look what that led to. Think about it, people. Okay, next source is from Yoma 84A. We're getting into more weird body stories and rituals and doctry. And our sugi reads, one bitten by a rabid dog will die, which is true. Rabies is almost 100% fatal if you get it and you don't get treated immediately rabies is like once it has had time to set in is very deadly at least that's what radio lab said oh yeah and that yeah <laughs> uh, which i consider a reliable source i don't think radio lab is out here fudging their shit reliable but annoying you know yeah but so is all of judaism yeah that's true that's um true. so we have no ground to stand on the annoying part is true the reliable part right and you and i are just annoying we're not even reliable so we have to cut jad and robert some slack so we're sorry for all the shit we talked jad i know you're listening you little bitch do you hear this fucking dog in the background yeah i digging really in the tent? do i am really devoting Skeeter! all my mental energy to not Skeeter! Come here now! Skeeter! Excuse me one more time. I'm okay. sorry. Skeeter! 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 Oh, baby boy! He really wants to play with his dinosaur right now. He's been in yeah. this. Yeah. 
Oh, he's such a little devil. I know. I know. I know. He has such an evil look on his face. Um. Okay. So rabies. Rabies. Yeah. The Gemara asks, "What's the remedy?" And Abaye said, "Let them bring the skin of a male hyena and write on it, I so and so, the son of so and so, am writing this spell about you upon the skin of a male hyena." Conti, Conti, Kelarus. And some say they should write Conti, Conti, Keloros. And then he writes the names of God, Yah, Yah, Lord of hosts, Amen, Amen, Selah, and let him take off his clothes and bury them in a cemetery for 12 months of the year, after which he should take them out and burn them in the oven and scatter the ashes at a crossroads. And during those 12 months of the year when his clothes are buried, when he drinks water, let him only drink from a copper tube and not from a spring, lest he see the image of a demon in the water and be endangered, as was the case of Ababar Marta who is also called Ababar Manyumi, whose mother made him a gold tube for this exact purpose. Wow. Wait, wait, wait. But they said drink from a copper tube, not a gold tube. I know, but I think they just meant a, a tube. Okay, wait. All of that sounds awesome. I so want to <laughs> do it. But can you remind me again what it is we're doing and why? Um, We are casting a spell to okay. cure ourselves of rabies because okay. we were bitten by a rabid dog. Got it, got it, okay. And so we have to write this spell on the skin of a male hyena, which I'm assuming is just something that's available at the Babylonian stop and shop. And then there's a lot of steps to this. I was interested, that Conti Conti part, Mm -hmm. was that Aramaic? Was that Hebrew? I do not know. I'm looking at the commentary right now. Let's see. Rashi, did Rashi have anything to say about this? No, Rashi didn't have shit to say <laughs> about what Conti Conti Kelleros means. It just sounds a little Latin to me, which was surprising. Yeah. I don't know what's going on there. I am not sure what is going on with it. Rashi doesn't have doesn't have anything to say about it, doesn't object to it, doesn't clarify. So I think we'll just have to trust in whatever's going on here you know i mean i think it's pretty obvious why this is interesting it's just a straight up magic spell yeah there's no two ways around that this is just straight up magic i can see i mean the elements of the magic all make sense you've got like a hyena which is sort of like an extreme version of a dog you've got your clothes Mm -hmm. you're like putting them in the earth which is sort of like safekeeping there's an intuitive sense to the to the mechanics of the spell but it is pretty wild that our various gamara redactors made sure that this magical spell to get rid of rabies was preserved for generations yeah yeah i wouldn't recommend drinking out of a copper tube yeah i mean it seems like it would taste super gross yeah i think it might not it might be unhealthy too and i know they'd like tin the bottom of the the, like the inside of the cup i mean the talmud recommends all kinds of stuff that is pretty marginal (laughs) on the health guidelines yeah 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 that's true very goopy yeah (laughs) Gwyneth Paltrow would be completely at home with the Baye. Let's have another fun source. By the way, I'm only bringing a fraction of the sources that are in this source sheet. So if you, like me, respect the Talmudic brilliance of Olivia Devora, then you should go check this source sheet out because it is just full of 
more weird. There are some things that I couldn't bring because they're too, they're too gross. Like they weren't too gross for me to read, but they felt too gross to fully read out on the podcast. Things about bugs emerging from various parts of people's bodies. It, it was just gnarly. So I brought the less gnarly ones. Okay, so this next source is from Shabbat 148a, where we read, we learn in a Mishnah that one whose hand was dislocated may not treat it by vigorously moving it about in water. So this is specifically on Shabbat that we're talking about. Basically, if your hand gets dislocated, apparently one of the treatments was to put it underwater and just wiggle it around really hard until it got back into its socket. Mm -hmm. They're saying, no, that, that falls against the prohibition against healing on Shabbat. And so we will say that it's prohibited. And the Gemara says that Rav Avya was sitting before Rav Yosef and his hand became dislocated. And Rav Avya then displayed his hand in a variety of positions and said, what is the ruling with regards to this? So basically, Rav Avya held up his dislocated hand and flopped it around <laughs> and said, what do you think about this, Rav Yosef? Like, what's up with that? Like really yeah, limp-wristed. Exactly. Very limp-wristed. <laughs> basically saying like, can I do my hand like this? Can I do it like this? Can I do it like, like what's prohibited? Like, which way am I allowed to wriggle it? Because I guess if you're trying to avoid doing the work of healing and you are flopping your hand about you could accidentally relocate it at any time and so he's flip-flopping his hand around and Rav Yosef says it's prohibited and then Rav Avia says and what is the ruling if I position my hand like this and he does another hand position and Rav Yosef said it is prohibited and in the meantime his hand was healed oh that's funny was I just think it's a great punchline <laughs> it's like what if i do this what if i do that oh look i did it okay well no more questions oh wow wow there you go yeah you can just trick people it's like when people nowadays someone people will say like i'm totally gonna do this crime in minecraft as <laughs> a way to be like make it seem like not in real life because the government is always listening to us. Right, it feels, right, right, right. It feels very going. similar to that tendency. Someone's like, what if I do this? Like, I wouldn't do it, but what if I did it like right, this? Right, right. Yeah, I love the self-awareness. That's cute. That's cute. They have a sense of humor, these rabbis. And, you know, they're clever. I feel like buried in that joke is a kernel of wisdom, a sort of it, you're admitting that. Nah, we don't know what the fuck's going on, do we? No. <laughs> yeah. There's like a kernel of that, a kernel of that. Perhaps. Right. I mean, this is why we had our whole episode about the best of doctors go to hell. Because doctors at this point were not much better than the rabbis basically saying like, I don't know, try this, uh, try that, <laughs> you know, drink out of a copper tube. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's like the actual how to heal thing. And then there's like the is it allowed and not allowed part is almost part of the, the butt of the joke too like right so that's kind of nice you know it takes the edge off for all of yeah. you uh people out there anxious about how you're doing your mitzvahs and i think it's just part of the like true underlying punchline or like the truth underlying the punchline is if you dislocate your hand on shabbat you're probably gonna try to relocate it. yeah yeah you're probably not gonna walk around all shabbat with a dislocated hand let's let's be real <laughs> if you're the average babylonian jew okay one more and this one is just pure 
silliness, a pure pure silliness and slut shaming. The rabbis are talking about Zimri, who was uh, one of the naughty kings from the monarch period, mm-hmm. and Cosby, who was a prominent Midianite from the same period. And said it was Tanabrita, Sanhedrin 82b. Zimri engaged in intercourse 60 times until he became like an addled egg whose contents are all muddled in non-differentiated fluid. And Cosby was like a garden bed full of water. Oh, oh is that it? Is that it? No, Mama? no, there's more. There's more. And okay. Rob Kahana said, and her seat was as wide as the area required for sowing one seya of seed. And Raviosa taught the opening of her womb was a cubit. Oh, damn. Okay. Okay, they like big hipped ladies, apparently. Yeah, they are they are like um theoretically what they're doing here is being like, yeah, we hate these like ancient sinners so much that we're gonna talk shit about them. But the way it comes off is really just them being like, What if there was a giant woman whose womb I could fit inside? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is kind of You what's... know how it is. Wow. Um, yep. All right. So these two people fucked themselves into a heap and they were gaping. Well, that is a vessel. That's another. Now that's what I call a vessel. Uh, wow. Wow. Yes. Wow. But are we allowed to cool ourselves with them? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's the real question that these sugyas don't answer. Anyway, this was kind of a pure nonsense episode. I, I think it. it's important it's to have one of those because like the last text I brought was like, what about the death of the innocent? So I felt like I needed to balance that out with pure silliness. I love it. I love it. We appreciate it. Thanks again to Olivia Devora for creating this spreadsheet. Their work is incredible and you should all check it out. We just put out a patron episode. So if you're not a patron yet, go to patreon.com. How are you? You can get our whole backlog plus the one we just put out, which is about some some secret texts about parentage. And also we posted some pictures of a very disturbing piece of duck sculpture that Michael got for me. Oh, you posted it. Okay. Oh, I posted it. I posted it. And it is just as terrifying as I remember. Anyway, yeah, that's all we have to say. So one, thank you all for being our devoted listeners for four years. And two, Shavuot Tov. Shavuot Tov.